Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. New EPA administrator visits Cancer Alley. St. John the Baptist Parish in Louisiana sits in an 85-mile straight from New Orleans to Baton Rouge known as the Mississippi Chemical Corridor, also referred to as Cancer Alley. In this region, there are hotspots where cancer are above the acceptable levels set by the Environmental Protection Agency. Michael Reagan, an administrator for the EPA, set out on a trip called the Journey for Justice over a stretch of 550 miles. He visited hotspots of environmental concern in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Most of these regions are occupied by low-income and minority groups. Minority groups make up 56% of the people that live in close proximity to toxic sites like refineries, landfills, and chemical plants. As Reagan takes over the reins of the EPA as the 16th administrator sworn in, and as the first Black leader of the EPA, he said tackling this issue is very personal for him, and he feels very passionately about working toward finding solutions. New policies and funding will provide more fuel to combat this issue that disproportionately impacts communities of color and low socioeconomic status. Particularly, African Americans are exposed to a 38% more polluted air Mm. and are 75% more likely to live in a community that is near plant or factory. Wow. The communities that Reagan visited were very pleased with his sincerity and eagerness to search for solutions. He plans to use his legal authority to get plants and companies to reduce their emissions in hotspot areas. Emissions need to be reduced in these areas that are currently the cause of stark disparities. Boy, oh boy, is this ever needed. And this is an example of how elections have consequences. And in this case, in a positive way, Mm -hmm. right? You can see that perhaps maybe other administrations may not be as committed to something like this, Mm -hmm. but the administration we have in place now, you can tell that there is a level of commitment because this is something that Hope, as you and I who live near this area, we're both in southern Louisiana, mm-hmm. uh, eastern part of Louisiana. This is something that we know about. I will say this, my good friend and director and documentary filmmaker, award-winning documentary filmmaker, did a great movie about this whole issue called Mossville. It's really an excellent movie and recommend that folks do go and see that as he explains how more and more of these petrochemical companies have completely just decimated the area kind of all along the Mississippi that was areas that were really dedicated to and communities that were thriving were all African-American communities. Mm -hmm. And and now these communities don't exist. And for those people who are staying or who live around that, we are seeing significant increases in cancers. And so this is a great example of environmental racism. This is something that we've talked about on the show multiple times before. And uh, it's great to see that we are seeing the EPA responding to this appropriately.
T-cells provide greatest protection against COVID variants. The Omicron and other new variants may undermine some defenses that vaccination and natural immunity provides, according to The Atlantic. The immune system has one major tool that will help defend the body against these new COVID interactions, and those are killer T-cells. When T-cells attack a virus-infected cell, the killer cells poke holes in it and send toxins in it, thus destroying the cell from the inside. This kills both the cell and the virus inside. Killing the virus-riddled cells can also make a difference between mild and severe disease. Preliminary data on Omicron has shown that its spike protein has more than 30 mutations when compared to the original wild-type strain that emerged from Wuhan. Pfizer's research shows that these differences may make the variant as much as 41 times better at sidestepping antibodies that prevent infection. Luckily, though, infection is not synonymous with severe disease, and the defense that T-cells provide when the body's already infected could be a major boon. Infected cells can be easily identified because they tend to send out a kind of distress signal. Cells that have viruses display bits of that virus they're producing on the outside. When killer T cells see this, they easily can tell which cells that should be destroyed. It's kind of like a honing beacon, if you will. Like the cells are like, hey, uh, immune system, we've got viruses inside of us. It's like, you know, that button under the desk that you see in every uh, thriller or drama when somebody kind of breaks in and you hit the button under the desk and outside there's a red light, like a silent siren. That's what's going on here. And so what happens is that the antibodies can identify the cells that have these viruses that are protruding from it that the cells utilize so that they can stimulate the immune system. So again, antibodies can identify these viruses by their external traits and T cells can tell from their insides as well. This makes it harder for mutations to sidestep them. Now, even if the coronavirus was changed majorly, it would still be hard to camouflage against T-cells completely. Different people's viruses, infected cells show different parts of the virus go to killer T-cells. So a version of the virus that evades T-cells in one person may not necessarily get around to them in another person. The bottom line here is that the immune system is complicated. This story is a little bit more complicated as well. Let me kind of break it down. If you have prior immunity, see what happened in 2020 was that we had no immunity to the coronavirus or the COVID-19 rather. It was a completely new virus to us. And so it was able to do what it did so effectively well. But now as we start developing immunity, either natural immunity through previous infection or through immunizations, what happens now is that we start having the part of the immune system, these so-called memory cells. And in this case, what we were learning about was memory T cells. And so what happens is that these T cells are able to kind of travel throughout the body and look for cells that have or that are demonstrating that they're infected with the virus. Again, it's that silent red light siren that's kind of going off. And when the T cells sees that a cell has activated that red light siren, that's when they go in and they kill the cell. And in killing the cell, they're killing the virus as well. And this is why I feel as though as we move forward, fingers are crossed. <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction here. But I think that these are the first steps that we would see toward getting toward endemicity, which basically means that the virus becomes less virulent or less severe in its ex ability to express severe disease. 
And in doing so, it'll ultimately, and hopefully, again, fingers crossed, total prediction, complete speculation on my part, total me being optimistic. But I think these are the sorts of things that we see that will ultimately allow for that virus to not necessarily kill the host, us, but will ultimately quietly just become part of the human population. Now, I say that, and I have one big caveat, and I want everybody to remember this, that the coronavirus, specifically COVID-19, has more than just a human host. It's able to use animals as reservoirs as well. So there's nothing saying that a COVID-19 virus could potentially get into an animal, maybe an animal that's immunocompromised, and also then new variants emerge from there. That's also speculative, but let's keep hope alive right now and carry forward with the idea that with these memory cells that we will hopefully see less variants as we move forward. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast, follow us on social media, and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your health care providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. <laughs>